releasing his latest album on pain, Lloyd Cole is hitting the road coming to New Zealand in December. This is his song Warm by the Fire, which, if you believe Wikipedia, was inspired by the California wildfires. That may or may not be true, so let's check with Lloyd. You know, my, my feeling of songwriting is that I put the songs out there, and whatever people find is is necessarily correct. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, I <laughs> I probably got the idea for the title when I saw those images on TV of the uh, the high rises around Paris burning, right? And people looting and cars on fire and what have you. I think that's where I started the song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, songs are you know a little spark to get them started, but um, then finding something to 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 make the song worth listening to more than once—that's the challenge. Right. And you made a pretty cool video. I think it was on filmed near Lake Ontario. Was it? Yes. Um, my video collaborator is in Toronto as a, you know, as it's the way these days, I, we're, we're connected through the internet and we don't have sufficient budget for us to be flying around the world. So he's right. in, he's in, he's in Toronto and he found this wonderful dancer. Um, and yeah, we made a video for it and we, we just made another video for the idiot. And, right. I don't uh, want we, to talk about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we use the same, the same dancer, but this time she choreographed the two guys who were playing uh, the characters that we call David and Jim. We'll move to Berlin. Stop me Cycle and swim. Stop me Rent and efficiency. You'll take the serious guys. I'll be the idiot. <laughs> Yes, Bowie and Iggy. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and you know, they, it could be Bowie and Iggy. I mean, certainly from, from my writing experience, that's what I was trying to address. Right. But I've, spoke, I've spoken to a few young journalists who had no idea what I was talking about. Really? Okay, and, well, yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit older than most of them. So, yeah. so, I, saw, so I saw Bowie back in 74. <laughs> you saw him in 74 oh, in America? Yeah, Diamond Dogs tour. Oh, that's that's the tour I wish I'd seen. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, because it, it started out as the Diamond Dogs tour, and then it evolved into the sort of Becoming Young Americans tour, the, yep, the yep. Soul Review. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I, I was sort of obsessed with this relationship that Bowie and Iggy had in 76, 77, where, where they really kind of, I think they really did save each other. I don't think either of them would be living today if they'd stayed in L.A. Yep. I mean, Bowie, Bowie apparently couldn't re recall making Station to Station at all. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's a great album. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I don't get very many lovely, sweet ideas for songs. You know, I'm, the language of melancholy and sadness is so much richer than the language of happiness. That When yeah. I get an idea like that, I've got to, I've got to grab it because, uh, you know, it's it to have a warm song with with a with a you know just a, a a lovely idea is is a rare thing for me. Right, right, right. And so maybe you can elaborate a little more on your relationship with Bowie and Iggy. Have you ever met either one of them? <laughs> uh, I sent a copy of the song to Iggy with a with a note. Yeah, and he sent me a he sent me a lovely note back saying he thought the song was quite good and beautifully done. So that was nice. Um, Bowie was working on that film, Absolute Beginners. Yep. 
1985, when we were in the studio working with Langer and Stanley, making our second album, Easy Pieces, and Bowie came by a few times to listen to the, the development of that particular track. So I think I, I might have got to sort of bow down and say, great honor, sir. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> uh, got to be intimidating to have Bowie kind of strolling and see how, how things are going. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, did, he he wasn't paying any attention to what we were working on. Uh, and, that we, and it was also during that period where he was, he seemed human in 1985. He right. didn't seem super. He'd started to dress very badly. It was around about the same <laughs> it was time. the 80s. He, he was, well, well we, we were dressing pretty well. But he, but he you know, he, do you remember that video he made for Dancing in the Street with Jagger? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, sure. you know, it was around that time. So, so even though, I was a, just a huge fan at that particular moment, at that particular juncture, I sort of lost faith in him. And, and actually, it was quite nice that I thought that the song Absolute Beginners that they did for the movie was, was lovely. Yeah. And, and one of the few high spots for him in the, in the 80s. Yep, yep, yeah, that's true. It definitely holds, holds up over the years. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, I'm curious, since we're talking about the 80s and videos, so when you came along with the commotions, that was all, all similar to the time that MTV, especially in the States, started up in the early 80s. And you did a music video for... Um, Perfect Skin. Yeah. Uh, from your perspective, how have things changed? How have they stayed the same? Are they better or worse? I choose my friends far too well. I'm up on the pavement. And they're all down in the cell with their golden grants. And my IQ, they brought me down to size. I could tell you blue. With respect to music videos, I, I feel like that's the one area of the of my career that I really let myself down in the in the eighties. When when I was sort of doing my apprenticeship to try and be a pop star, I was studying my heroes. I was trying to learn to write songs. I was reading interviews and seeing how they seemed so charming and witty in interviews, and right. and, and 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 how to look great in a photograph, and how to dress, and how to look mysterious or whatever. And then all of a sudden, they just added this thing to the equation. Oh, we have to make music videos as well now. And so I had a couple of ideas. I had some pretty nice ideas for the first one. And we had a, a, a decent idea for the second one. But I really was so busy trying to be, had to put the hours in to, to be a pop star. Right. And I really didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had the energy. And I, and I let other people, I let the management and I let directors take over the control of the videos and we made some awful videos and i feel i feel i feel bad about it because I, and i also felt kind of resentful that i had to make them because i was just like that wasn't that wasn't in the playbook when 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 i was wanting to be a pop star you know you didn't have to make videos you, you went on television and you mimed to your songs that's what yeah, you did yeah, yeah so so i feel if anything at least now you know getting toward the end of my so-called career it's quite <laughs> It's quite re rewarding to put some time in and actually try and make a decent video. When, like, when we, when we, and we have, and our budget now is, it's, it's about ten percent of what we had then. Yeah, and actually, with, with inflation, it's probably less than ten percent, somewhere yeah. between five and ten percent of what we used to have. And we can make better videos. Oh yeah, uh, than, than, than we did then. So, been your friend. <laughs> uh, to, yeah, to a certain extent. Uh, I mean, still, if you're making a video. Cameramen still cost a lot of money. Yeah. Stylists still cost a lot of money. Lighting people still cost money. So it's not like that you can do them for free. But yeah. So 
the video thing, that's one of the few parts of the industry that hasn't changed that much. Everything else is upside down. Mm. I mean, in, in the in the mid eighties, we made a lot of money if you sold a modest amount of albums. Yeah. You made a lot of money. Uh, now, if you sell a modest amount of albums, you don't make any money at all. Somebody else and, is making uh, a lot of money. <laughs> somebody else is making a lot of money, and and we used to go on tour to promote those albums, and we weren't interested. We weren't worried about making money on the road because we felt like we were promoting those albums. Right. In fact, a lot a lot of the time we would we would lose money, and the record company would underwrite the tours because they wanted right. us out there putting ourselves about. Uh, and obviously, now it's the exact opposite. I. I, I I release albums because I want to. I still have the desire to put music out there. But the economic reality is that I, I put the albums out there to legitimize myself as something that isn't quite yet an oldies artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm able to go on tour bringing new songs to the canon, the catalog, uh, and people come out and see me and I can make a living doing that. Cool. Well, we are talking about your New Zealand tour, supposedly, which is happening in December. You've been here many times. I know that. Um, so uh, I think, have you done any shows yet this year or are you just starting up like in October? I haven't done a single show this year. I did a few shows um, last year, tidying up the uh, the end of the guesswork tour, which was right. um, which was halted by COVID. Yep, we finally got to get the the uh, the rescheduled shows for that done this year. All I've been doing is getting this album ready, uh-huh. working working on stuff like videos and preparing for the tour. Uh, I'm up here where I practice bass guitar right now because uh, the UK part of the tour. I'm going out with the band for the first time in a long time, uh-huh. um, and uh, we'll be playing an acoustic set, primarily acoustic set, and then of a very much electric set for the second set and we're a four piece i've never been out with a four piece before so I, I, i'm playing bass oh okay <laughs> uh, somebody's got to <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind, it's kind of exciting and it's fun uh um but it's yeah it's a very different challenge to playing guitar and a very different set of things that you have to remember per song it's not just right. like remembering shape it's not like remembering shapes it's like you're remembering melodies and riffs and what have you so Fingers crossed, I, I fly to Glasgow um, in about 10 days and we start rehearsing. Yes. Um, when that's all finished, I come home for a couple of days and I fly to Auckland. Uh, and that's this, this tour is just going to be me this time. Last time yeah. I was over, it was, a, it was a duo. The time before, it was a duo. This time, because I'm going out with a band in the UK, I have to be honest, I might make a loss. Right. I haven't been on the road with seven people in seven hotel rooms and seven flights for quite a while. Uh, so I had to say to my agent, let's go to Australia and New Zealand if they'll have us again and I'll take a solo show and at least I'll know I'll earn something there. Well, that happens. And, you know, if if at the end of the band tour, you know, we do make some kind of a profit, I've already spoken to Kurt that, yeah, we could talk about bringing the band to New oh, Zealand good. at some point. At some yeah. point. But I'm, I just, I can't afford to... Yeah. take that risk this time because if it went wrong again you're looking at losing the house yeah you need the house um so who's in your band can i ask yeah it's actually it's the three of us that started the commotions three old guys i think <laughs> neil I neil neil must be 65 and i think blair must be 64 i'm 62 right uh um and then we've 
well, I found this wonderful Glaswegian, half Glaswegian, half Icelandic percussionist drummer called Signy, who is just fantastic. She can play incredibly quietly or incredibly loud. She's she's just wonderful. All we're all we're all very giddily excited to work together. She's excited to work with us, and we're excited to work with somebody new. Yep. So with a couple of commotions in the band, is there a big difference in your mind when you're performing between the commotions and your solo and whatever else you do? Well, every time you take a, any kind of show you take out on the road, let me, let me start that again. Sure. <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been a very long time since I thought it was a good idea to try and sound like the records when you, when you're on the road, you've got a band unless you're in a band that tours like the commotions we were together for five years, we went out on the road. Yeah, sure. We sound pretty much like our records because that's us. Yeah. But once you, once you don't have a band anymore, you put a band together to go on the road. It's very rarely the same people that play on the album. Um, and it's very rarely the same lineup. Um, so this time around, I'm taking an electric four piece out. My latest album is primarily synthesizers. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to try and sound like this album. Uh, we're gonna try and we're gonna try and make the best noise we can, and try and find adaptations of the various songs. Um, so, I, you know, a four piece is quite exciting for me because it's got a lot more air between the instruments than the five piece. Yep. Neil and I were, were always playing these sort of. It was always an interplay between our two guitars. Now there's going to be this air around his guitar, um, and I'm going to just embrace it. Uh huh. Now, and how important is the, the environment of the venue itself? Like, for instance, when you come to Auckland, I think you're playing at the Holy Trinity Church, which is an amazing, you know, big church with high ceilings and stained glass windows and the whole bit. How will that affect your performance? It, well, when you're in a church like that, you don't need to add any artificial reverb, that's for sure. That's a fact, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, so, long as, so long as it's not out of control, you know, as long as it sounds lovely in its own way, yep. you know, you, 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 that's what we do sound checks for. I get there in the afternoon. We say, okay, what's it going to sound like? And I'd say, okay, well, then um, this is going to be lovely because every time I hit a note, it's going to keep going for two or three seconds. And, you know, you, you learn to play with that. It's a, lot, it's a lot more fun to play a room like that than to play a completely dead room. Like sometimes you get these modern orchestral rooms that just don't have any reflection whatsoever. Right. Um, playing with the natural reverb is, is really fun. So, uh, and playing as long as the church is full or close yep. to full, <laughs> that will that will minimize the out of control nature because humans will absorb the sound. Yeah. Um, and, and and you know every night is 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 different because the audience is different and you, they respond differently and people are more effusive, less effusive, more vocal, less vocal, depending on where you go. And and I just I just go with the flow all right now getting back to your recording and then and so your new album um you know came out earlier this year oh pain uh, what keeps you making new music you kind of flippantly said oh i didn't want to be an oldies act but there's and there's some truth to that i'm sure but there's something else that must drive you to, to write songs and to have them heard well i keep doing it yes um <laughs> i keep doing it and 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 at the end of making guesswork which is the album before on pain i already had ideas of how i wanted to take the concepts of that record further in 
several different directions. So that was basically the the idea for this record was to take synthetic textures and make the dense stuff denser, more complex, darker, and make the simple stuff simpler, more minimalist. Right. And I'm still, I'm still. That's one of the reasons I'm excited about the four piece. I'm still. Uh, I'm, I've never been very good at just having my voice and a couple of things. I've always, I always find like I want to put more things, and and so I strive to try and have less. As I, the way you know, some people who were naturally minimalist might need to push themselves to add more. I need to push myself to add less. Hmm. So I'm excited. I'm excited by that, and um, I've already got a bunch of ideas to to go on from the last record. And to oh, go yeah. in a few different, and to go into a few different directions, and there's a few more guitar ideas I have for the next record. So I'm I'm already working on it. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the business side of the current music business uh, aside, do you pay much attention to new artists, new musical trends, things like that? Are you up on that stuff? Uh, I I I try, you know, maybe once or twice a year <laughs> to to to, to you know, to you know, to immerse myself. Uh, I I can't really be listening to a lot of music when I'm making my own music. Sure. Uh, uh, but going on tour is actually one of the times where I'm not worried about composing. We're just we're just presenting something. So so during the day on tour, I'll probably have my headphones on my my whatever you call them, my ear pods in <laughs> in the uh, in the touring vehicle that we're going to be driving around in. And uh, yeah, I've got I, I've got an account with the title. Uh, and I'm finding I, I'm fine. I'm not I'm not particularly attracted to a great deal of modern pop music, but every now and again I'll hear something, and I will keep listening. And I do still have people who do listen all the time because they because it's their job. And I am constantly saying, you know, what should I listen to this time? Um, so um, right now I'm very uh, I'm very excited by sort of modern classical minimalist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. music which uh, uh, some people call it like drone music there's a, there's an american composer called Callie Malone who I'm kind of in love with um she can just make th- this we we're talking about how I'm, I I envy people who can do a lot with very little right and she can do so she can do something with a piece of music that doesn't really have any melody or any harmony right and yet and yet she can work with these textures over time to create movement which is just beautiful um so i'll be listening uh you know going on tour again is, is when i have to make playlists for the music we play before the set in between the two sets and after the set i try and i always try and have new music uh, that i haven't had the last tour so i'll be working on that the next few weeks and i'll probably be doing my best to try and find you know a few a few things here and there um what's that band called that did the do you know that ferris wheel song what are they called oh i don't know no. Well, anyway, check out. There's a song called Fer- Ferris Wheel by a very, uh, like an electro pop American duo. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to be checking out what they're doing as well because I've, everything I've heard by them so far is oh, cool. great. But All I'm right. old, so I forget. I forget the names of the bands. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you you mentioned you're 62, and aside from your guitar, your main instrument is your voice. Um, has how? Well, what do you a do you have to do something to keep it in shape is it the same instrument it was when you were 22 what's your relationship like with your chords 
it, it, it stays in tune a little better than when I was 22, 23. Right. Uh, my, my range on the high side is less. Yeah. I probably had the, the, the greatest range around about 1991, 1992, where I could still hit the high notes and I could also hit some low notes. Yeah. And since, since then, I lost some of the highs and some of the lows, but the middle bits really don't sound very different to, mm. to how they sounded then. Uh, and really, yeah, you just, it, we have to just look after it a little bit. Uh, I don't believe in herbal teas and things. Uh, if, 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 if it's a little bit of whiskey that makes puts you in a good mood to play, or if it's a beer that puts you in a good mood to play, if you're in a good state of mind and you've just had enough sleep and you've not worked your voice so much that you're a horse, yeah. then, yeah, just look after it. Make sure you have enough days off in between shows. Yeah. So when you're writing a new song and you know that your vocal range is different than it was, do you write with that in mind? You go, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm comfortable in there, not comfortable in there, move a note around or two? You know, I didn't know anything about the key of a song right? <laughs> uh, when, we, when, when, when we started doing music. I just, I thought, well, if it starts in C, then it must be in the key of C, which is obviously not true. Um, <laughs> so um, the, ver the first time that I encountered a problem like that was when we wrote, well, I wrote with Blair, Brand New Friend. Uh, and he'd written, Blair had written a, an accordion part that was the first thing for the song. And it was in the key of C. Right, uh, and so and so I wrote the rest of the song in the key of C, and then we came to record it. And the low the low notes were too low for me, and I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't pitch them very well. Uh, but I didn't really understand why because I'd never written a song that I couldn't sing very well before. So <laughs> that's what that's when I that's when I discovered the capo. Oh, right. guitar. <laughs> and uh, the capo has been my friend ever since. So when we put the capo on the second fret uh, for brand new friend. They move the shapes up to the key of D, and I can hit the I can hit those notes now. So, so if I come up with an idea that I that I can't, I, I feel like there's a melody there, but I but I can't hit all the notes. I'll just fool around with the capo right. um, until I find somewhere where I can I can I can find a melody that I can sing. Cool. All right. You know, I worked with Tracy Thorne. Uh, the Commotions did uh, in 1987. Uh, and I was so impressed when she came into the studio, we had this melody for her to sing and she just went to the piano and went, that's the lowest note I can sing. That's the highest note I can sing. <laughs> and it's like, I was like, oh, she is so much smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I never thought to, to figure stuff out like that. Um, so um, I still don't really know what the lowest note is. I have to sing it, except that it keeps getting slightly higher over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. And I'll, I'll, I'll end up. I'll end up. You know, who was it that they were talking about? I think it was somebody was talking about. It was maybe Richard Butler from the Psychedelic Furs. He's a great right. singer, but he, he only ever sings three notes, and that's all he needs. He's got those yep, three I notes he sings all the time, well, and, right? they're and they're a great three notes. So, yeah, stick to the ones that you can sing. Yeah, love my way. That's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good. All righty. Well, that's this sounds all exciting. I can't wait to see you again here. And uh, hopefully, the tour will uh, subsidize the uh, the band tour. <laughs> it starts <up laughs> yeah. in Newcastle in, in October. But uh, whatever it takes, you know, it, it's great, and I think it's going to be good fun. I I I hope it'll be good fun, and I and I hope I won't be going to bed every night anxious <laughs> um if you know if if, if, the, if the shows in the uk at least get close to being sold out before we we start which i know quite a lot of them already are uh right. then 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 what am i going to do if i lose right. a little bit of money i lose i lose a bit of money yep so long as as long as the shows don't sell terribly 
then I think we'll be fine.